Hello and welcome back to Those Art Teachers. I'm your host, Corby, and I'm here with my co-host, Caitlin. Hello. Uh, so today we'll be talking about TAB, which is a teaching philosophy that stands for Teaching Artistic Behaviors. And we're going to talk about the overarching idea of TAB lightly, kind of explain what that is. And then Caitlin and I are going to have some conversations about how we are using this philosophy in our classrooms and maybe give some teachers some ideas of how they can incorporate TAB in their classroom, whether they're interested in a full TAB room or maybe some modified or varying TAB ideas in the full spectrum of choice. Yes, and also why we decided to switch to TAB from like a teacher-directed model. That is a huge part too. Okay, so you guys might be wondering, what is TAB? What is teaching for artistic behavior? Um, On the TAB, the official TAB website, it says that TAB classrooms are highly structured studio environments with clearly delineated expectations for self-directed learning, keyword is self-directed, in choices of varied workspaces. Available tools and art materials are introduced to students who can then access and arrange these materials independently to initiate and explore their work. I love that definition. Yes, I think that whole definition is fantastic. I think self-directed is key, and I was going to point out the highly structured. I was doing like snaps in the video and like claps because that's the biggest thing I think that people misconstrue in this belief is that if you're doing tab, it's just full-on chaos and there's no structure or like to your room. Free and that's draw, not the case. Free draw yeah. all the time. Do whatever you want, which yeah. is just it has such a bad reputation and it it still has structure. So that definition in our own words would be like for me, I would explain it as student-driven art pedagogy and like uh, instead of teacher-driven, student-centered instead of teacher-centered. So the teacher is the guide on the side rather than the sage on the stage, which if you're in education, you know what those things mean. If you're not yeah. in education, basically – Instead of sitting through a lectured style, like teachers up at the front teaching and giving directions, especially in art, like step-by-step directions, demonstrations, etc., the teacher would actually be helping guide alongside like independent projects, basically, for the students to um, initiate their, their artwork. But there's a lot of structure that goes into that, so, so that students are actually able to do that. Yeah, and I think it's also not to say that teachers aren't still giving, which we'll get into more as well, but teachers aren't not giving instruction and they're not giving demos. They're still having to talk to students and show them skills. Mm -hmm. So there's still things like that that are happening. It's just not the quote-unquote like sit and get information style the entire way through. And it's not every class period or every like all – the time depending on how you structure your tab room so we can talk about how we do that and implement these these ideas in our classrooms next but I think that kind of sums up the definition for anybody listening about what tab is and it's really gained traction I think in the last 10-15 years as well from my research that was something I was going to ask you is I am not sure when TAB had officially started because to me, Montessori and 
I remember, like, I will not forget this dude's name, John Dewey, from our research in graduate school. Those two really stuck with me. And to me, that really embodies a tab philosophy. But I think tab is more like new wave education. But do you know, like, it when says, it officially started? Um, it dates back to the 1970s. Mm. But, you know, I think in education, pedagogies like always have been built off of each other, just like artwork is built off of each other, like what came before, um, like art movements are built off of the previous movement, you know, and like the reaction to it or et cetera. Yeah. So, I mean. The same thing happens. That same cycle. thing. Yeah. In education with like different movements of um, theories and and using research to just keep learning as we go. But yeah, officially on the website, it says the 1970s. But I think it could easily be based off of Montessori and other older theories um, Mm -hmm. that they, you know, expanded on or made specifically for art. Yeah, I was just curious. I figured the website would say it. Yeah. So it's been around for a while. But I, as like an educator, learned about it within my first year of teaching, but it actually took me until, this is my fifth year, and it took me until year four to really decide that's what I wanted to do, and year five to actually implement it. I think I'm on what, year six? Mm -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) because I miscounted this year. Yeah, because you posted... Corby, for, like, the, for our listeners, kind of day. <laughs> Corby posted this adorable back to school photo. Like, they went back to school after Labor Day. Back to school photo, talking about you know the year, etc. And she stated, and she put like a high five up because she's like, "This yep. is my fifth year." And I was like, I texted her. I was like, "Corby, it's your sixth year." <laughs> and like, she had to go back right. and. edit it (laughs) i posted a picture like a month before or like a few weeks before when i started school with my five and i was like it's my fifth year so that means it's your sixth year because you started a year before me feels like a blur and that's the thing that i'm like wait what year is it because i mean we were teaching like we've talked about a little bit in our origin story like we've been teaching before that so it's hard to keep track of when i'm just like oh wait how many has it been actually in the public schools versus like workshops museums like all of that year six officially in public schools yeah it was a long first day I remember like being like yay this is this year and then like my tired picture I would say I've been doing my tab incorporation philosophy for the past year so I'm on year two with it because when I switched schools COVID really had a hang up in my plans because of all the regulations so we couldn't share materials. That was not ideal to try to do a tab room. Wasn't going to work. But the last year of my elementary school, so I guess I would say tab incorporation for the past two years total, technically, because I did do some things at elementary that I was getting my kinder kindergarten first, second and third graders introduced to the idea of tab and like starting to make those choices. And the plan was if I stayed at that elementary school and in Kansas, I would continue and we would grow in that direction, but then I moved across the country, so yeah. Yeah, so basically the last two-ish years. Yeah, not the- linear, but two years total, yeah. Yeah, with some gaps because of COVID, which I actually really wonder like, what traditional TAB teachers did do during COVID because I was not teaching TAB during COVID, so. I can't speak for here. I know that there's no way no way that we would have in the state of Washington been allowed to do that with our 
very strict like policies but I do know one of our colleagues like back in Kansas who was running tab and he like was able to sanitize some things and like it was like very modified but was like still supposed to like able to make it work but that seems like well, a whole other like undertaking the other reason i say that is because in here in my, our district we were on a cart too oh Not, that's true we weren't even i'm talking about the like the year we were on a cart yeah yeah, yeah. Last, like last when year we were hybrid. Was more normal we were in our rooms we were cleaning everything and i mean like extra and all of these things and having to actually go remote occasionally but the year before we were actually on a cart all year long art teachers were and specials all the specials and I just wonder, that would be really difficult with tab because I could only fit so many materials on my cart and I had to prepare it for like four classes back to back, different grade levels. And so it was, yeah, I don't know how tab teachers did it on a cart. Load it up. I guess whatever fits on the cart is what you get. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Maybe that's like I think what that's... studio is open. Yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's talk more about specifics on how we're using it and what it kind of looks like for our classrooms yeah sounds good do you want to go first since you've had you've been doing it a little longer or okay so the first year that I did like a tab incorporation again this was my k123 I was at a school where the like school culture was very much kind of sit and get information like everyone has to be on the same page and that's very much what they were the students were used to But by that third year at this elementary school, I felt like I'd built up a relationship to introduce this. And it was like, that's why I say very modified or like very incorporated tab. I had just designed this uh, chart and it had like four or five different stations on it, I think. And there was like, um, like a weaving station. There was drawing and coloring. There were texture plates, blocks. And I think there, maybe that was it. Basically, each station had a picture and this was like hanging on the door. And when kindergarten, first, second, and third would come in, I built it in so, like, their warm-up time, once they got in and everything, they got to pick the clip that went to the picture of the station, and then they would go to that table, they would grab the materials, and they'd get started right away. And that was awesome. It took a lot of preparing them for that routine and, like, getting used to, but that made such a huge difference in the rest of the class's activities. Basically, after that, um, it would give me a chance to, like, walk around and kind of, like, check in with social emotional needs as well, which was like a really huge thing at my past school. I mean, it's actually a really big thing at my current school as well. Uh, But so that was really nice. And also I noticed that it gave uh, students time. Like they felt more of, I think that sense of freedom and autonomy because they got to make that choice. So they were learning and engaging through those play moments with their peers. So it was like that need was satisfied and they seemed more ready to come to the carpet and then do the lesson and then, you know, go through our, usual routine of like uh, review or introduction and all of that and then going back to their tables and then doing like a more traditional um, step-by-step kind of follow-along project uh, so that was my first time incorporating again like tab ideas I would just say like a lot more choice and freedom which I gave those students a lot of choice in their projects but the the idea of just like picking what they want and then getting to have that and making those choices, that was really big for them compared to, like, the other things they were experiencing at their um, – that school. And you – that – so that was, like, kind of a limited approach where you did that for the first how many minutes of class? It was, like, maybe the first 10. I'm I'm not sure because, like, right now my middle schoolers have a 
sketchbook entry task and that like ranges from like five to seven ish minutes say like 10 minutes and then the thing was too that they had to have everything like picked up and like put away that like got them all regrouped to gather on the carpet so it's kind of like a not bell work but just the first yeah like the first 10 was like the choice activity which i actually remember observing you one time with a i think it was like a pd day and i came in and i saw them do that i remember now that you're describing it, I remember seeing them go over to the chart, like choose their thing. And it was very structured with like how many kids could be at each activity. Yeah. But I like that to like introduce the tab idea to the little kids. Because yeah. I'm not doing that Thanks. right now with the little kids. And I think that's a great way to like introduce that idea of choice. I do think it really helps develop in the kindergarten through third grade classrooms. They were more likely to feel confident in making choices in group art project like that everybody's like doing the same thing like there wasn't as much pushback when they had those more open opportunities so I I do think it was getting them like more ready for that kind of thinking as well yeah I forgot about how specific like that does seem like so long ago so I'm glad you remembered that the I remember that yeah the clips were color-coded everything was color-coded clips were color-coded there was only so many clips depending on how many seats were available at that table or at that station. And then there were color, I used color sit spots on the carpet to then match. And I did have a lot of pushback, like when they were getting used to the routine. And if like someone got to go pick first and they like, the person like got mad because all of their like favorite station was gone. Like let's say all shapes went away. And so then they're like still waiting to go pick and you know, there would be some upset about that, but it also did teach them to have to learn about a new material or like try something different. So then they're exercising that stretch and explore habit of mind that's within tab. Which we didn't really talk about that as part of like the <gasps> definition of tab, but tab yeah. is based off of the eight studio habits of mind. And those are, I'm going to go off the top of my head because I don't have it pulled up. But I just remember Envision and Stretch and Explore because those are the biggest two that we've been working on in middle school currently. Oh, and Reflect. Yeah. Yeah. I have been going over them a lot lately, so I should have them memorized. But I'm just going to like read them just so I don't forget any. Okay. So you said Envision, Express, Stretch and Explore. You said Reflect. Okay. We also have Develop Craft. In, mm, yeah. Engage and persist, observe, and understand art worlds. So those are the eight, and there's a lot behind all of those different eight categories. So if you are a teacher that is interested in learning more about that, we can, and we're going to talk about it more in a minute, but um, those are this eight studio habits of mind, which are also related to the 16 habits of mind, but these are eight specific for art so those are from the project zero harvard study from the last like 20 years it's a really good resource that that website as well if you are looking for more information on that so the studio habits of mind are kind of like the main i'd say like framework of that that helps base like the the tab philosophy around and that is something that it sounds like you had talked about that even with your little ones when you were talking about 
going to the different stations, but maybe not. I, I know some tab teachers really focus on the studio habits of mind and then some try to get down all of the routines and then incorporate the studio habits of mind. I'm That's kind where of we like, were at. Yeah. I'm kind yeah, of a I was mixed like, bag right now. Um, yeah. Okay. So you explained your how you were introducing it a few years ago to your littles. Do you want to talk about how you're incorporating it now with middle school? Yeah, I'll do the how it's happening now. A big part of it also is my why at this school. So um, how I'm addressing TAB currently is we do a general project that's like as a whole class or like a whole unit. Like we're all kind of like learning the same concept. Um, And then as we're going through that unit, I'll have certain days that are themed that kind of give them uh, these opportunities to like learn different skills or like learn different materials. Um, And then they're also learning like the big skill or the big material or concept as we like go through that whole unit. So for example, like let's say we're doing portraiture. So everyone's working on portraiture and maybe the big skill is like value and proportion. Uh, So like our day to day might be, different demonstrations and like instruction like I'll be giving you know like demos on like this is how we're doing a value scale or like this is how we're drawing an eye and you know like all that scaffolding to build up to have a portrait Um, but then on Thursdays I've been doing I've been calling it try it out Thursday and I've like played around with different names that day we start in our sketchbook and that is like based on a skill or a technique and so it might not always be like if we're working on portraiture and value it might not always be the same thing so like if we're doing graphite pencils that try it out Thursday might be like let's practice shading with a colored pencil or like let's get out soft pastels or let's experiment with this and then I'll do like a little guided thing with them um, for our warm-up time and then once we're done with that then they're in their studio time and and working independently Um, and then so by the end of the unit They've like acquired different skills and then they're demonstrating the big skill or the big concept and theme. And then any materials that were like used during that time, that's kind of how I open up the different stations. So I don't really do the traditional like, uh, hey, we're only going to be using graphite pencils. And once we're done with this week, now you can use graphite pencils. Okay, now we're going to use soft pastels and like do it one at a time I try to get like a bunch in like all within that time frame yeah so but then after you do that kind of that larger project with multiple media available to them that they've like mastered then all of those are kind of are available as an option yeah pretty much basically the only like we've already gone it's only been two months that we've been in school And we have all of my different areas, or I just call them stations. Um, Those are pretty much all open except acrylic paint, which if you've listened to the past episodes, you know how we feel about acrylic paint. (laughs) But I am up front with the kids and I tell them that the reason that one is closed, there's a sign that says closed, is because um, it, it is a very timely medium, which, I mean, that is how acrylic works. Like, it takes a lot longer to clean up. And I just want to make sure that they're not wasting the paint and that we go over those cleaning up skills and like keeping the paint if they're working on something longer and since there's just going to be so many extra special routines with that maintenance I've just we have we're not gonna have that one for a while until we do our acrylic paint project and also clay I don't 
Um, and that baffles me. I'll just say that now. And then I've got a few other things that are different about my like tab incorporation. Um, but clay is not an option in the sense of wet clay always being out and available. I already have modeling clay out. The kids, the students know because of an activity we've done um, in that weekly like experimentation and they know where it is. So they know that they can get it during the directed time, which I'll get into. Uh, so that's how I make clay of use. And then I got some tools this year to finally put in that are not going to break because we went through so many plastic saved tools last year. Uh, but I know that some other tab teachers like have free reign on the wet clay. And I, I don't know how people do that. Like that seems like a whole other ball game to me. That just seems like so much extra maintenance. And, and maybe it's just me. The modeling clay has been a great way to have clay be available for sculpture and not have to worry about that, like extra maintenance mess and all of that. So that's something a yeah. little different too. And for those listeners that are wondering, what do we mean by like available or like media being available to students? Typically in like a traditional non-tab art room, the teacher only allows like certain materials to be available per project, whatever they're specifically using. But in a tab room, what's often the case is that there's a lot of structure that goes into place to open up each studio or what Corby calls like an area. So for example, in a tab room here in my district, the teacher starts with drawing like I'm doing. I'll talk about that later. And they teach the different drawing media and like techniques. And once that is mastered by the students, then the drawing studio is open for the year unless for some reason they need to shut it down. And what that means is when there's open studio time, which a lot of tab teachers have all the time, unless there's a demonstration being done, uh, during that open studio time, the students can go to the drawing materials and use what is available. Then when the next studio is taught and demonstrated, like let's say the painting studio and it's several different painting supplies are available, then when those are mastered, the painting studio is open and so on and so on. So by the time you get to all of the studios, a lot of materials are available, but students have learned how to use them and they should be able to use them independently. So Corby, what you're saying is, you have like a specific time during the week when you allow that to be open. Is that what I am getting from that? Not exactly. Everything's open all the time. <laughs> Everything's open all the time because we've gone through it though. So like for your big project though, you, you're asking them to use specific materials. Yes. It just a So even though the studios are open, you're asking them to use like color pencils or whatever. But so on those Thursdays, not exactly or whatever, then it's open. Okay, then no. I don't understand what you're so, saying. This might help. So Monday through Friday, we start with a sketchbook every class and every sketchbook warm up has a theme. On Thursdays, the theme is like generally a skill builder without me calling it that. So I will demo some kind of skill to the class that just like gives them some like extra um, knowledge about that material or about how to use it in a way to like incorporate it in our project or something but that doesn't mean that we haven't like already used it so like for example if I like do something with pastels and I'm like okay like as people are coming in I've got on the board like grab pastels today we're gonna like practice our value we might be we might have done value like a couple weeks back but like 
we're pulling it out this time to like use them and we didn't maybe necessarily use them in that unit prior. Does that make sense? Like you're asking them to pull out a specific material. Correct. For that demo. But like for our projects, I generally do give choice as long as they're demonstrating knowledge in the concept, they have choice unless it's a skill builder project. So like the project we're doing right now, for example, is like a really large, quick learn the art room. We're learning materials and we're learning like basic concepts. So we're like talking about line, shape, color, and we're doing positive, negative space. We did some like quick crash course color theory. We've been working on our watercolor skills. We've already like done like drawing pencils. We've talked about clay or we've gotten out clay collage. I'm trying to think we've already done so many things, but for this project, they don't necessarily have to. Like, I give them the option. I'm like, okay, you have to demonstrate using our color theory we've been practicing. That means you could maybe do watercolor. That's the other one. You could do watercolor. You could use colored pencils if you really liked colored pencils. And if I have 7th and 8th graders who've already been in my classroom, they know where the pastels are and they can go and get those as they please. Like, they already are familiar with the art room. So it, it is kind of an open concept in that sense. So you, it's like they're, you're giving them a prompt with specific like parameters, but then they can use the materials with, that are open and available to yeah. them. And then on Thursdays, it's something – more. That's something Yeah, different. a little more specific. And then I will have projects, but I call them skill builders because that's something I've been learning that has to be very like specific in our grading book, our learning management system. So if I say like an art project, they're kind of learning that there is kind of more flexibility on that. And when it's a skill builder, we are really focused on like, okay, yes, this does need to look a little bit more like the picture. Like our goal is to, yes, have this like five gradient value scale. I need to make it look like this. So when we do a skill builder project – that skill builder is not just like a worksheet, let's say, on practicing value. This is really on my mind because this is the next one, the unit that we're going to do next. That's That worksheet's not like the final project per se. That is a like mini skill builder, but then I might have like a giant skill builder project where we all have to use charcoal and we're rendering this panda to have a five value scale gradient and they are making that artwork look exactly like what we've been practicing in class and they have to show me that they can demonstrate their knowledge with value and charcoal by doing that. So that looks a little bit more of like the step-by-step kind of traditional sense of the project. Does that make sense? Yeah. The last thing, which this is going to really throw you for a loop. Yeah, there's more. (laughs) Now, as I'm saying this, I'm like, well, okay. Like I'm proud of my kids for like getting these routines down because it is a lot. Fridays is our like more traditional tab room fridays is pretty much open studio the entire class and fridays they come in they know they have free jaw friday in their sketchbook for about five minutes and then after that uh, sketchbook time is up then they know that they can go and they're exploring their own like very own it's not teacher directed it's what do you want to work on in class are you investigating watercolor are you getting out the modeling clay are you working on a project that maybe we're working on but you know you need more time on so fridays is built for really having a tab mentality student complete centered choice Um, and then they do have to fill out a reflection log so they're responding and reflecting to what they've worked on Uh, and that's been really awesome in watching them grow and really incorporate the skills that we've been learning but also give them freedom to explore and try them out on their own or try new things on their own. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and to clarify, you see your students 
How often? I see them every day for 50-ish minutes. I'm not including cleanup time. So that's just like instruction time or like time with them. Or a semester. Yeah. I have them a full semester or I can have them for a full year. So art they could take for just once or the whole year. Right. So every day. And that's what I wanted to clarify because some people might be like, how do you have so many different days for your things? Um, In secondary world, that's pretty traditional unless you're on a block schedule. But I... Right. And some are Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then Tuesday, Thursday the next week. And and then like I'm in the elementary world and I see my students once a week for 45 minutes. So it's a very different world over here. Yeah. Um, Okay. So um, thank you for sharing about how all the different things you're doing in (laughs) your classroom. Uh, It was a lot. (laughs) Uh, we got very specific, so if you're lost, we'll try to regroup here. The tab, it sounds like you're doing... It's like incorporation. It's, it's difficult. It's not like full tab, except for on those Fridays. So that's why I think incorporation yeah. is more specific than... Like accurate. Yeah, than like modified tab. It's just more incorporation. You're incorporating it in your within the time frame that you can incorporate it with, and you're but you're also still doing like teacher-directed projects with, like, teacher-directed prompts and and parameters, but also allowing for a lot of choice. Does that sound yeah, like... Yeah, I think that's pretty accurate. Okay. I can see, like, there's, there's so many different ways to do tab, and some people who know and love tab might be like, no, there's only one way to do it. Like, it's, you know, the traditional way, but... Even I, like, I'm trying to do tab in my room, and I'm trying to do it full-blown tab, but I still feel like I'm modifying it to fit my needs as well. So I don't personally believe there's a right and wrong way to do tab as long as you're trying to do what's best for you and your students and uh, do the best that you can, right? So for me, how I am doing tab in my art room, elementary, once a week, for 45 minutes is I have been, and I got some of these ideas from a few different people, from Tab, from the Studio Habits of Mind, from a colleague that is incorporating this idea. He called it Win One, Lose One, and he shared it at a PD with us last year. So I, I'll just explain what I'm doing. I have a bulletin board that I created at the beginning of the year that looks like Candyland, and I think I might have even talked about this a little bit in a previous episode. You have explained Candyland and like how you move through the board. Okay. That is something that is really helping me with the structure and like expectations or routines for my students so that they are on board. They know what to expect and what is available to them. So I created it. It looks like Candyland. And I created these. I put uh, Velcro stickers on all the different spots. And I created these little tabs, like kind of game pieces with each class's name on it. So when the class comes in, I take their sticker and I put it on the board and show them where they're at on the game. It's just like a way to communicate to them what we're doing and what they've earned. So we started with pencils. We went to crayons, colored pencils, markers, oil pastels, and... A lot of my classes are even past that now, but those are the first few and that is that makes up the drawing studio. So in each of those, 
each time the class moved us to the next one, I would give a demonstration. We did a little skill builder for that material. We talked about how to use the materials respectfully, responsibly, safely. And then they got to explore with the materials. Sometimes they would make something. Sometimes they would just like explore. I always had like a little demonstration to show them some different techniques um, at their age appropriate level. And then when the class showed me that we could do those materials, we'd move on to the next one. So once we were done, we were done with all of the drawing materials. I added like a kind of like a special, I made it like a rainbow on the board and it says free choice project. So now a lot of my students, like a lot of my classes are on their free choice project and it's more like a, it's kind of like a final project for the drawing studio. So they have and they can choose to use anything that you guys have gone over. Yes. So they get to choose the art media. They get to choose what it's about, like what it's a, it, it's of. Is it a landscape? Is it a portrait? Is it abstract, etc.? And I created a planning sheet so that again, very structured. We talked about the studio habits of mind because some of them were like, "You've never let us just make whatever we want before." Yeah, <laughs> and. And that's new for a lot of students. Like my, especially my older students are just like, uh, we've always done step by step. Like, what am I supposed to do? So we talked about how do artists get ideas, and that brought up a great conversation. We looked at the studio habits of mind. That's how I introduced. That's at what point I introduced the studio habits of mind is the free choice project. Uh, we talked about how they can draw from observation, draw something in the room from observation. They can look at my art history books. They could look at any of my books or how to draw books as resources. And that's like understanding art worlds. They could talk to other artists in the room to get ideas, understanding art worlds. They could envision, which is like using their imagination. They could draw from memories, etc. They could express emotions, ideas, etc. So I like went through the whole wheel of studio habits of mind to talk about how do artists get ideas. Then they filled out their planning sheet checking which studio habits of mind they were going to be using. Like, are they going to observe? Are they going to express? Which media they wanted to use. And then they did a sketch of their idea. And I love that they did that. And some of them changed their idea from their sketch, and that's fine. But a lot of them looked like they had an idea, they sketched it out, and then they're like, okay, I'm ready to start now. Like, they, they were confident in their idea. So that's where we're at now. And some of them, they're starting to make their projects. And it's just... I am so excited because I finally feel like I'm teaching the way I want to teach because I get to walk around the room instead of staying at my desk, doing the demonstration the whole time, like giving step-by-step instructions, I get to walk around the room, look at all their different ideas, compliment them, ask them questions, you know, find where they're struggling. Like a student drew a very, very basic tree for like a fourth grader, right? And I was like, hey, you know, it's okay. This is where you're at with drawing trees. If you want to look at some pictures of how to draw some different trees, some different ideas for different trees, I have some how to draw books over here that show you different ways to draw trees. And they were like, oh, okay. So they get the book and then boom, the next thing you know, they're drawing all sorts of different trees and they're stretching and exploring and using their, it's their idea. I'm giving them some resources, but I'm just the guide on the side. And I love that. Yeah, I think it opens up so much more check-in time. Like you get to see exactly where your students are at when you're able to take that time and not just like 
make sure everyone's like holding the ruler correctly or like are we all done with like shading in this yeah. box it's like no you're oh what are you working on you're working on drawing i've got a kid working on uh cake tooth that's the character's name that's like what they're into and they're making this like comic series about cake tooth pretty much like every friday and i'm like yeah. cool like how is your character like what's happening with this character this week um copyrights go to that student so if anyone else does it you're stealing his idea um but that that <laughs> but is the yeah. magical part i think is and then they're more excited about the work too they're and then i think they're incorporating that which i you're doing it like they're gonna have free choice way more and i would love to see my students be able to get there but i think even in the, the more days that i have built in that it's working the way it is at least for now yeah and i'm talking about grades two through five right now <gasps> Oh, so yeah, I should have specified. I yeah, and I know you asked me about that earlier, and I forgot that you're not. Like, I'm just assuming, like... I kind of am, but for two through five, that's exactly what I'm doing. And to finish, after we do Drawing Studio, the free choice project, when they're done with that, I also made, and I just actually finished this today because some of the students were getting close to being done with their projects. I made a reflection sheet. So they talk about, they, like, write their name. Uh, they put their, like, I have artist name like artwork title so they can give it a title it says one thing I want you to know about my artwork is and so they like write a little bit about their artwork and then I have them select which art media they used and which studio habits of mind they think they used and then they it says congratulations you completed the drawing studio and they like sign their name that they can use the drawing materials so it's like kind of a certificate of completion for the drawing studio and I think it helps. It's kind of like a mix between an artist statement and a reflection sheet. Yeah. Um, and then they have to turn that in with their planning sheet and their project. That is really cool. And you just gave me some really neat ideas because I, long story short, the mixed grade level situation I'm in and just like trying to assess if they're actually connecting with the concepts by making them circle those studio habits of mind, I think that's a, such a great way to get them to really think about what are we actually doing when we're using this studio time or this like open time. And I am yeah. putting rubrics on our learning management system. We use Schoology at my school and I print them out, but I still feel like it is like, wait, what is our rubric? Like, what are, what are we being assessed on? And a lot of what I do assess are the studio habits of mind. And I'm just like, oh, come on. But I know we're also like, starting off the year still i'm doing air quotes because it's only like two months yeah. in but that yeah gotta give me a lot of ideas that's really cool um thanks so then the next on the art media land game the next like section after this when they're done with the free choice will be painting and i have like a few different painting media that they get to work through and then they'll do a painting project and then we'll do and during those times they'll get to explore too like Kind of like mm -hmm. I'll show the techniques. They practice the techniques, but they also get to explore. And then they get the free choice project. And then we'll do so on and so forth until we're all the way through like all the different studios. And they're asking like how long until we're done with all of the studios, you know? And I'm just like, <laughs> I don't know. Well, let's wait and find out. Because it does really depend on their behavior. I have two classes right now that have been stuck because of their behaviors and they're not on the free choice project. And we've been reviewing our expectations. We went back to pencils and paper, reviewing our expectations because they they were not handling, not, not the way I'm teaching, but they just weren't, their behaviors were just not meeting expectations. So I, I told you, okay, your behavior is showing me 
that we can't handle this right now, so this is what we're going to do. And they see what other classes are getting to do, and they're like, oh, I want to do that. Yeah, it does build and some so incentive. And so I'm kind of using it as like an incentive yeah. too. And that's what I got from the other teacher was it, uh, his win one, lose one. They would win a media, and then if they had their if their behavior didn't meet expectations with that media, maybe they weren't using it well, correctly, safely, they would lose it. They could go backwards on their chart. So I have had students like or classes that have had to go backwards. But for the most part, it's working really well. I think that sums up like my grades two through five with how we're doing tab. Um, and I'm excited to see how that goes as going forward because right now I think it's going really well. And I'm excited about all their different ideas and getting to know them better through their artwork. Um, for my first kinder, I have preschool actually, kinder and first. Preschool is a whole other world. Uh, we're mainly just doing process art. That's what I always do with them. Kinder and first, I'm still teaching like the elements of art like I've taught the past few years. We are still doing the art media land, the candy land, but I'm doing it a little slower with them and uh, let it giving them more time to explore and doing some process art. And we are doing some guided drawings and guided projects because they are they are still learning just how to be in school and like the routines. And I've, I'm noticing my first graders are going a lot faster than my kinders, but that's the group of kinders I have this year too. They're very fresh. So um, yeah, but I am wanting to also incorporate a lot of choice with that as well. Like I'm giving them a lot of exploratory time, whereas in the past I was all very teacher directed. Yeah, and I think I think both are important. And I I do like the idea of full tab, but I do think it makes a difference of who your student population is, and that is why I try to keep mine like half and half because a lot of my kids don't have art in elementary like at all. Like we don't have an art teacher in my small district. So the art that they are doing is on their own and those kids are like pretty much like ready like they're like we've got skills in our toolkit like we know what we want to make we're ready and then the other half of my classes are like we have no idea where to start we feel embarrassed about our art we don't maybe even want to necessarily be in art but we got put in here and so I try to keep it balanced and I weirdly it sounds like your preschool kindergarten and first it's it's very similar even though I'm doing middle school sixth seventh and eighth but I keep it a lot of exploratory experimental and then like open choice and then that's why I also put in that teacher directed the big skill builders or like foundational concepts and skills in our units to just like yeah give kind of like help the best of both worlds well and if we don't I I didn't want to just like open the floodgates for k1 because they a lot of them like haven't had me before and so they don't know like any of my routines they don't know where anything is they don't they don't know what a portrait is. They don't know what a landscape is. Like, they don't even know what the options are or, like – and I know Tab is all about exploring, like, their ideas and their, you know, intrinsic um, motivation and all of that. But I also think there is a necess- there is a necessity to teaching, like, what a portrait is, what a self-portrait is, what a landscape is, what – you know, like, and showing a lot of different art art history, contemporary art, and having like more formal teaching going on as well. Because 
then I think as they get older, they can also remember those concepts and ideas to help them drive their art and their choice. Yeah. I like to give them kind of a launching point. Yeah, like a foundation. They've, they've got to have some foundational things to go off of. Yeah, exactly. Talking about the elements of art and what they are and like all of those things. And I don't think it means like discouraging. Like if they want – if they have a specific idea that they're really into, like by all means, let's encourage that. I agree. And I think – I don't know where I saw this recently. I think it was actually – it's like a preschool slash – education account that I follow that I kept from like working at the museum I think uh, but it was kind of on this topic too of like the exploratory time is really necessary and that open exploratory time is necessary um, it was advocating uh, with specifically parents though anyways so it was saying like if a, a child is playing with blocks and let's say they're like stacking the blocks and if a parent's always like hovering and being like mm, tell me the color and like how many are you stacking and like doing that all the time? It's nice because they're building up those ideas and like creating meaning. Yes. But also if that parent is standing there or I should just say that person is standing there and doing that all the time constantly, it's not allowing the child or students in our case to get the opportunity to do their own self-directed play and learn and create meaning on their own. Yes. And I think that's huge in tab as well is like, allowing them the space and time to create that meaning because we don't want to prescribe everything or anything yeah. really to them. We want to help them with a foundation. And that's what I love about the tab philosophy with like, it's not a free for all. We do want to teach techniques. We do want to teach what the art media is, the vocab, all of the terms, like all of that. It's, you know, I think people think about it like a free-for-all, but it's not at all. There's a huge emphasis, I think, on building that foundation. It's letting them have the space to come up with their own meaning, to problem-solve on their own, and, like, have a lot of that exploratory time. Because, and this goes into the why, which I think I've already talked about a little bit in my explanation, but I just felt like the more I learned about Tab and the more that I more research I did on like the studio habits of mind I was like yeah that makes so much more sense about teaching students kind of how to be their own artist and finding their own voice in their artwork and creating their own style and not just kind of replicating my examples or like only following step-by-step instructions and not thinking for themselves that is a that's like the biggest reason to me because it got to the point where I just felt like I was grading whether they follow directions or not and I was like that's just grading whether they followed my step-by-step instructions and that's not to me that's not art I agree I feel like tab to me stems so much from and I don't want to speak for you Caitlin but to for our experience of being a studio artist in our undergrad like it just is the way that artists work it's the way that the art world works so it's just made sense Mm -hmm. clicking of being like oh yeah these are just this is what we did in art school like why wouldn't we pass this down to our younger art students and give them the freedom to empower their voice and build that up so Mm -hmm. I agree uh, with you on that well I just feel like it also the way I was teaching I felt like if a student had a really great idea but they weren't like doing what the class was doing 
I was like, how do I grade that? Because that's not what we're doing. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to squash their dreams. I didn't want to say, that's not what we're doing. Like, that's not right. Because I I even had a student push back one time when I was like, ooh, like, yeah, that is different, but it's not what we're doing. And then they were like, well, but you've said that there's no wrong answer in art. And I was like, you (laughs) got me. Like, they did listen. And I was like, I'm glad he challenged me because I, I was like, you're right. And I think the only reason I was teaching the way I was was because, A, it's what a lot of teachers do in initially and inherently because it's how a lot of people were taught. And B, it's about control and feeling like we have a sense of control in our classrooms. And it was scary to let that go. But I have to tell you, like, it's so worth it. And I feel so much better now. I do think control can be a part of it. I do think it also is about personality as well. Like, I can't speak for other teachers that do really like that teacher-directed instruction. Like, I'm not them. I'm not living that experience. But I can say that I knew for myself, like, that's how I grew up making the most of the world around me was through art and was that not or self-directed play because I didn't have art in my K through eight experience and it just it just seems so natural so I knew that that was what I wanted to do when it all like came together and so the short version of why I chose to do this like incorporated version When you were talking about grades, Caitlin, that is literally the one thing I want to throw in the dumpster and light on fire. I hate grades. I think it's so ridiculous. Art is so subjective. 100% agree. Have always felt that way, even in elementary. But my middle school, it is such a high-pressure performing school. The test scores are off the charts great. And this all probably sounds like, oh, well, why are you maybe complaining about this? What that culture brings, though, to the kids is, like, such a high performance anxiety and so much worry about, did I do this right? Did I? Like, perfectionism. Yes, and it is just, like, it just oozes out. Like, it is just a part of the culture. And that's something I also, even though the school itself is very different than, like, my upbringing, I guess, that's something that I have gotten through art of letting go of that perfectionism and so I'm like oh okay this is this is gonna be kind of painful for you all but at the same time this is gonna help you make your own decisions like you said like when that kid came to you and was like but I want to do this and I'm like that's a huge part about being an artist and that's like it will be okay like you will find your freedom like I'm like cheering them on I'm like I lived through it so can you um (laughs) find find it (laughs) but it is very hard for them and I know that and I and I tell them that like so much of like it's going to be a growing process because they are so used to even in eighth grade of like, okay, I did this. Now what's next? Okay. I turned this in. Now what's next? Do I have an A? I, I returned this missing work in. Uh, can you update that grade book? Like that is really what they're concerned about. And I'm just trying to like really foster, like, what do you want to work on? What are you creatively interested in and how can we make that happen? And how can we work through the struggles and just give them that confidence and hope that it like feeds into the other parts of their world as well. Um, so that's why I ended up doing this like half and half scenario. So it's a little bit more balanced and fits the needs of my students as well. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. But I think what we're both saying too is like it helps the using this method, the strategies of tab. It's like finding, helping our students find their voice through art. To me, when the kids like turn in, they're like, 
their worksheet that maybe has like the project or the skill on it that they're like, ah, I just have to turn this in because the teacher's making me do it. They are not retaining that as much either. Like it's not really sitting or like staying with them because they're not as invested. Like there's more retainment if they're invested in their own ideas and pursuing that on their own versus just like turning in the thing that the teacher makes them turn in. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It makes them dig deeper. Uh, Do we have a sponsor? Our sponsor today is Bumble. Bumble. Apparently, you can find friends on Bumble. Is that, that the is app? The app. Bumble. Bumble is an app where you can not only find a friend, find a love match, or network for your business. Bumble has expanded to now serve your social circle needs. Oh my gosh. I actually feel like that's just an advertisement for that, Bumble, which I guess is a sponsor. Yeah. But they're not officially sponsoring us, by yeah. the way. That would be. But yeah, I'm using Bumble to try to meet people because it's hard to meet adults to make new friends when you moved during a pandemic, y'all. And your community is very small and lives all in one state, a.k.a. Kansas. Okay, well, good luck on your friend date. I hope they don't kill you and I love you and be um, safe. That doesn't help. All right, so that is our episode on teaching artistic behaviors. Quick little intro on the philosophy and how we are using that philosophy in our classrooms. If you have any extra resources that you'd love to share, we would love to hear them. Tag us at those art teachers on Instagram. And we will also post links to our resources that we have as well. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye, not bye. Bye, not bye.